It's time for episode 538 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 24th, 2024. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that doesn't need a new CMOS battery. Some of you will get that, some of you won't. I am one of your hosts, Micah Sargent, and I am joined across the internet by my good pal, my friend, noted author, Dan Morin. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing well. I once had to replace a clock battery in one of my computers uh, about a million years ago because the clock kept not working, which was uh, hilarious and weird. It wasn't even a laptop. It was just like an old desktop. I that's I, I had that same experience and I remember I had to save up my money to afford the little battery and it wasn't that much money, but I still had to save up to get it and I opened it up, put it in, and then everything worked as it was supposed the to clock again. Works quite again. nice. Yay. <laughs> um well, while we ponder the <laughs> the world that once was, let us uh introduce our awesome guests to my left, supervising video producer at Polygon. It's Simone de Roche for Welcome back to the show, Simone. Thank you. And thank you for hitting the super and supervising so hard. I appreciate that. I'm going to try to put the super in supervising today. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm going to be watching all of you. Oh, no. Scary. Well, watch the clock, too. All right. To my left this week, it is a senior developer advocate at GitHub. And I guess part two of our reunion for Rocket here on Clockwise is Christina <laughs> Warren. Welcome back, Christina. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, this was completely, I think, coincidental it on was. all of our parts. And I was like, heck, yeah. My 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 podcast pal Simone is on here with my pals Dan and Micah. I was super excited to be here. You know how this works. We've got four topics in just 30 minutes. So let's kick things off. My question for you is this. Do you use widgets on your smartphone? And if you do say you use widgets, I want to hear which widgets you're actually using. Simone, we'll start with you. Oh, yes. So I got into widgets relatively recently, like just within the last couple of years or so. Uh, but I am obsessed with them because I'm a person who loves lists. So I've got reminders and GCAL as like basic widgets on, on different screens of my phone. But on the screen that I use the most, my two important widget, most important widgets are for the Duolingo app Ooh. and for the Libby library lending app. Mm. And I love both of those so much. Duolingo, obviously, I need because if I... Okay, so the Duolingo widget is the scariest thing in the world if you're not familiar with it. Um, the Duolingo owl is featured very prominently on the widget and in the morning he looks very happy. Um, and as the day progresses, he gets more and more furious and distressed if you do not do your lesson. Um, so for example, right now it is, it is merely noon and he looks like he's been punched in the, f no, he, he's like got <laughs> his face pressed up against the glass of my phone screen. Oh my gosh. Um, and by, if I don't do my lesson by 10, like he'll be on fire and glaring at me. Um, which I understand because I have a 900 day streak and if I lose it, I'll die. Um, and then the Libby app is just great because it shows whatever book you have checked out and open at the moment and your progress through it. And also most importantly, your time until the library needs it back. Um, and I'm reading A Place of Greater Safety by Hilary Mantel right now. And I've got three days to finish that, but. I'm not going to. <laughs> so yeah, I, I love widgets. I don't know. What about you? 
Uh, I do use a bunch of widgets. Um, my main home screen on my iPhone is just apps because I just like having quick access there. But my the other pages have mostly widgets on them. I've got a weather widget. I've got a widget for my thermostat. So it tells me what the temperature is, various places inside the house, the outside and inside temperatures. Um, I have a photos widget, which I actually kind of like because it surfaces pictures, um, which is nice because like sometimes you forget like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. That was kind of cool. So I like looking through those. I have a fitness widget, which is kind of, I guess, my equivalent of the Duolingo widget where it's like getting, it doesn't get actively angry, but I feel the same effect. (laughs) Uh, And I have a a widget for TV time, which is my TV tracker. So it tells me when new episodes of shows I like are out. And I have a a few still on that weird like uh, widget dashboard screen. I forget what they call it, where you swipe the other way from the home screen, like uh, batteries for my, you know, AirPods and watch and phone and some calendar stuff. So yeah, a bunch of widgets. I could always use more, but um, yeah, I think I've got a good assortment now. Christina, what about you? I do have them. They're mostly on that swipe screen um, that you mentioned when you swipe to the left. Um, that is uh, where most of mine are. But I do have a number of them. And I have things like I, I use the Shazam widget all the time. Uh, I know you can also do that from the control center, but I find that the widget is a little bit easier. And then I have one for my calendar. I use a Fantastical, and it's a really nice way to have an update of what I'm doing every day. And then I use the stock widget a lot what? because it's just nice to... I do because I've got my my list of, of stocks and it's very useful for me to be like, should I be happy or sad about my 401k today? So um, that, that that's like a, a fun way. <laughs> that's that's a fun way for me to do that. And then, as you mentioned, the battery widget I use a lot, too. But yeah, I, I was I thought I was going to answer no to this. But the answer is actually yes, probably just not as many as as some people do, but but more than I thought I was going to do. I'm not super widgety. I have on my home screen the Fantastic. Basically, above my um, Fantastical widget, it's it's one of those two row, or uh, yeah, two row four column widgets. So I guess that's the medium widget. Um, I have uh, folders that have apps in them, and then below it are my most launched apps, so that I can just use my thumb to get those. But uh, I have a Fantastical widget on every device that I own: my Mac, my iPhone, my iPad. Uh, because I'm always looking at that. On my second screen, I have, uh, like Dan, a um, Siri suggestions widget that just surfaces apps that I'm most likely to use, as well as a home app widget to control some of the stuff in my smart home. And then kind of hidden in one of the drawers is access to 8sleep, which is the uh, mattress dealie that I have that tracks my sleep and also like cools and heats your bed while you're sleeping, depending on whether you you know need it to be cooler. Um, some bougie thing. And that's pretty much all I do with widgets. Um, but yeah, I know some people go pretty wild with widgets. And so I was curious to hear if that was the case for any of you. Let us move on to our next topic, which comes from Simone. All right. So this survival game called Pal World just came out, out on January 19th from a developer called Pocket Pair. It's it shot to the top of the charts on Steam. It sold 5 million copies, but it's also created a lot of controversy online because everyone is yelling about it being a Pokemon ripoff because of the creature design. I'm curious if y'all have been following this discussion, which has gotten very heated and drawn all the, the Nintendo fans out of the woodwork. Uh, what do you think about it, Dan? 
Uh, it's interesting. I did a little reading into it because I had heard about this game, but I didn't realize quite the level of controversy that surrounded at least this aspect of it. Most of the controversy I'd heard of it was like, ah, so it's basically Pokemon with guns, but you can also like work your Pokemons to death. And I was like, this <laughs> sounds terrifying to me, and I don't know how to feel about that. Um, you know, is it is it a ripoff? I think there's definitely some satire happening here. I think there's some stuff that they can kind of get away with. There has looks like it been other controversy about like whether some of the models are just sort of ripping off Pokemon looks and feels to which feels to me more like a, a concrete case for this is just sort of ripping off the IP of, of Pokemon. But like in terms of the game idea, I don't know. I don't think Pokemon really owns the concept of like collecting things or even creatures in games. Uh, certainly other games have provided a similar idea and it feels like just enough of a twist on it to get by the sort of the sniff test of sort of doing a satire about like, uh, you know, the Pokemon experience, because I don't know, I, it's always been vaguely uncomfortable. Like you, you get these Pokemon and you, you imprison them in these tiny balls and then you make them fight for you. Like, I don't know, that doesn't feel great either. Um, what I'm saying is free all the tiny creatures and let them do what they want. Christina. So I definitely think that it's been inspired by Pokemon for sure. But is it like a ripoff? I think that's going too far. To your point, I really do feel like this is satire and it's good satire. Um, what's interesting is that I was trying to think about it. And other than Digimon, which granted is a really big exception, uh, I can't think of a lot of massive Pokemon like ripoffs or even inspiration things we've had, which is crazy when you think about like there really hasn't been a more influential brand new game franchise in the last 30 years other than Pokemon. Wow, and so yeah. you would expect to see more parodies. I have to say, the more I'm like reading about the controversy of the game, the more I'm rooting for it. Yeah. Just like because, look, I love Nintendo people. I love Pokemon people, but you can really be too much. And so I'm always going to be like for like the the people who are being a little bit edgy. And um, I don't know. I, I haven't played the game, but now it's one of those things. I'm like, I kind of want to play the game. So. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm 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 team satire, but I'm also team. Yeah, this is probably a, a ripoff, but it's about time. Uh, Christina, there are many times when our values align, and this is one of them because I, I like absolutely recognize that. Say that's how I feel about it as well. Uh, there's something to it now where once it's sort of entered this stage of eh, you can't do this, that I'm like, oh, but now they have to, and now I want them to succeed in doing it. Um, it's it's silly and we need silly. Yeah. Like what we were talking about before, if it means that these creatures can fight back, um, I kind of dig that <laughs> idea. I, there, there's something to that. Um, but Simone, maybe you can clarify, do the Pokemon, I mean, not Pokemon, the, the pals, do they get wow. weapons as well? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. I think that's the whole idea. Like you put them to work in your gun factories, making guns, and then they, you know, wield the guns to help you in battles. Um, so clearly there are a lot of mechanics that are not shared by Pokemon games, uh, for one of being a survival game where you're building bases and managing hunger and gathering resources. And of course, that's not what people are up in arms about online. They're up in arms about the designs. And, you know, there are tweets of people overlapping the character models and comparing how similar they are. But I think at the end of the day, like regardless of your personal boundaries with whether this is satire, whether the designs are too close or not, the fact is that Nintendo is an enormous and extremely litigious company, mm -hmm. and this game has been announced for a while, and they haven't done anything. So that kind of, to me, indicates that regardless of 
people's personal feelings about it and wanting to defend Nintendo, which I think is a ridiculous thing to want to do, if it felt it were being infringed upon, it would have snapped into action. Again, this is the kind of statement that could make me look like a fool three days from now when Nintendo (laughs) launches a massive lawsuit on Pocket Pair. But I don't see a need for consumers to rush to defend this enormous company. Let us take a quick break because it's halftime here at Clockwise, and I'm excited to tell you about our first sponsor. It's Ecamm. Ecamm Live is the leading video production and live streaming studio that's built for the Mac. Ecamm does all aspects of video. It's not just for live streaming. So if you are making video, you can use it. It's perfect for simplifying your workflow. It's easy enough to get started quickly, but powerful enough that you can create just about anything with video and do it all with the Ecamm app. If you ever tuned in during St. Jude month and watched the D&D production that I hosted, you would have been watching that through Ecamm. And what's great about Ecamm is that it also supports streaming to multiple platforms at once without needing to use a tool like Restream. So I had it going uh, to YouTube and Twitch at the same time. But again, it's not just for streaming video. You can also use it to record video. I have a show on the Twit Network called Hands on Mac that I record every week, and I do all of my video production stuff within Ecamm. It's kind of incredible just how powerful this application is. Whether you're streaming, recording, podcasting, presenting, everything is right there in Ecamm, including support for multiple cameras and screen sharing and a live camera switcher that lets you direct the show in real time. So... I'm able to pull my iPhone up on screen or my iPad up on screen and show what I'm doing on there while there's video of me on the screen as well. You can stand out from the crowd with high quality video, add logos and titles and lower thirds and graphics, share your screen, drop in video clips, bring on interview guests, use a green screen and so much more. Ecamm Live does it all. I was even able to green screen key someone else's video who was calling in for the show from my end, which I thought was just mind boggling. Uh, the members of Ecamm are entrepreneurs, marketing professionals, podcasters, educators, musicians, bloggers, content creators of all kinds. So get one month free today at ecamm.tv slash clockwise using the code clockwise. That's a whole month free of Ecamm Live, and it's well worth checking out to see uh, how you can use it for you. Ecamm.tv slash clockwise with the code clockwise. Go there now to check it out. And our thanks to Ecamm for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, we are back from halftime and that means it's time for Dan's topic. Yes, Apple this week released iOS 17.3, which adds this new stolen device protection feature wherein it can add additional security stuff uh, just in case somebody steals your device i'm curious to know if you have an iphone will you be enable this um and even if you don't i'm kind of curious do you take additional uh security precautions um or are there things that you worry about or don't worry about when it comes to the safety of your devices christina let's start with you yeah so i have already enabled this feature and the reason that i am definitely like team i enabled this is a good friend of mine she was in South America over Christmas and she her phone was stolen literally out of her hand and it was unlocked and they were able to change her iCloud password. Fortunately, she didn't have any passwords um, for her banks and other things saved in the iCloud password manager, but it was a complete nightmare situation. And when I think about all the things that I do have in the Apple password manager and things that could be like the parts of my life that could be deeply destroyed if someone had my phone and access to my passwords. Um, I enabled this because my life would be over. And so I enabled it for sure. 
Yeah, this feature uh, is is really clever the way that it works in making sure if you're at a trusted location, which is something that's sort of machine intelligence generated, figured out over time as you're going back and forth between these common locations. If you're anywhere else, then it will set up a bunch of extra protections. So it does do a good job of balancing convenience with that extra security so that this stolen device protection doesn't activate if it's just a matter of you being at home and wanting to change a password. But outside of there, yeah, this stuff kicks in and just makes it a little bit more difficult for folks to do what they do. I watched, and I think everyone should watch, uh, the interview that Joanna Stern did with one of the uh, criminals who did this uh, sort of scam multiple times and explaining how it worked and everything. And I think after you watch that, you too will uh, turn on stolen device protection like I have, like Christina has. Uh, Simone, what about you? Yeah, I'm definitely going to do it. Uh, I had not been keeping abreast of the conversation about this, but when I was reading up on it, it's a layer of inconvenience, but we all need to get a little more comfortable with being inconvenienced by things for the sake of data safety. I think we've all become quite uh, accustomed to (laughs) having uh, things be frictionless and easy, and that's just not how life is. So add friction back to tech is my position, (laughs) Um, and especially as a person who, like, I'm – once I make sure I have my home and work locations set up because I don't want to accidentally create a situation for myself where I – turn this on willy-nilly and then my phone's like where's your house by the way Uh, i don't remember if i've actually set that up um but anyway i'm gonna do that and i'm going to italy next week so i think it'll be super uh you know a, a great yeah great timing to have that turned on and i am happy to see features more features like this uh being added that will hopefully protect users uh from having our precious precious data stolen away from us I think what heartens me the most about this is that this is something that obviously was reported on a great deal, especially by the Wall Street Journal, about the risks that were posed from these, you know, scenarios where people were spying on passcodes, especially and things like that. Um, because you know, d- already built in, there's plenty of security safeguards. But like, if somebody has your passcode, they basically get access to everything. So uh, making it, as Simone said, m- adding a little more friction both for the users and hopefully, you know, an outsized deterrent for people trying to steal these things is a good, uh, you know, a good move and one that is very interesting to watch how you balance security and convenience, right? Because that is the eternal issue with all of our technology: is like, do you want to make it easy to use or do you want to make it secure? And the answer is. Well, ideally both, but you can't have both. So you need to sometimes adjust that slider back and forth depending on it. Um, I do appreciate that this is something that people can choose to use or not. Um, I'm intrigued by their decision. I believe it's off by default, which I get. But at the same time, I feel like yeah. is one of those things that you probably want to prompt people at the very least to turn it on, uh, you know, kind of right away. And then they can decide not to. But at least pro- telling people it's there, I think, is a is potentially something that needs to be improved a bit. Um, I activated this as well. My home and my work are the same location. So I guess this is the only place I can change any of my passwords, which is, you know what? It's fine. It doesn't bother me. Um, so I think overall, this feature feels like a win. And it seems like from the, this panel that it is. So 
Thank you all for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our final topic, which comes from Christina. Okay, so this week uh, during their earnings report, Netflix um, indicated that they are going to start phasing out their cheapest ad-free plan, their basic plan, which is eleven ninety nine in the U.S., different prices in different countries. And they're going to start with that um, first in Canada and the U.K., uh, and, and then it'll carry on other places. Now, I view this as very simply a way to get more people to use its ad-supported plan, which is $7 a month in the U.S., because the next plan after the basic plan is $16 a month month. This month is also the same month that Amazon is going to start charging $3 a month for uh, users who don't want to see ads on Amazon Prime Video. And so I guess my question to all of you is, are you still willing to pay this increased amount of money that these services are charging to get no ads from your streaming service? Or are you kind of uh, willing to do what I think it is all these companies want us to do, which is to pay for an ad supported option, which will obviously make them more money? Micah? Um, I am very much a person who, I know, checking my privilege here. I will gladly uh, pay within reason um, to not have ads. But Christina, you're so right in the, I think in the the estimation and the belief that what these companies are really doing is trying to get us to do the ad version because they can make more money that way. And so if they raise the price just enough, the fools among us <laughs> uh, will pay to not have ads and then they can make money off of that. But most of the people will keep it at their current tier and have ads, which will make them more money than they would if everybody was, you know, paying a little bit more to not have ads. So yeah, I think I'm going to have to get used to ads and just be okay with them. Although the progressive commercial with the pigeons that keeps playing (laughs) before every single Hulu thing I watch is really getting on my nerves at this point. Um, Simone, what are your thoughts? I am the cheapest, laziest person on this planet. I I do not want my listening, my music listening to be interrupted by ads. Absolutely not. I'll pay for Spotify uh, to have no ads. But for things like – for video, I think especially – I've become so accustomed to those interruptions, especially with YouTube, for example. You know, I'm the probably maybe the only loser on this call who doesn't have um, a YouTube premium account. So I'm still watching all those YouTube ads. Um, on top of that, I guess, ooh, okay, here's a, here's a complication. A lot of my streaming services, I perhaps am borrowing from a friend. So will I pay? No, I'll continue to not pay. Will they pay? (laughs) I'll ask. Let me text them right now and find out. Um, I I don't know. I'm in this like underclass of uh, human leech who is just scraping my way through the media world, giving all of my data away. Um, So and, you know, renting my brain space to advertising. So uh, I will not be paying. Thank you. What about you, Dan? What this is encouraging for me, if nothing else, is really to live that churn and burn lifestyle with streaming services and be like, okay, this is our Netflix month or this is our Hulu month. We're going to watch all the stuff on Hulu that we want to watch. And then we're going to, you know, suspend our account for a little bit longer. And there's some stuff I pay for up front. You know, Disney Plus I've played for up front basically for its entire existence because I watch a lot of Disney Plus content. Uh, I have Apple TV Plus because it's baked into the Apple One bundle, all this stuff. So it's not a perfect solution. But for me, I don't know. I I felt like I was okay watching ads for a while, but there are definitely some that are more annoying than others. 
Um, you know, I, I've definitely watched ad supported networks where it's like the same ad gets served like four times, sometimes in the same ad break. And you're like, this is just awful. But, you know, I also sort of hearken back to my youth of being able to like, all right, well, there's an add-on. I'll go to the kitchen and, and make myself some food or something and come back when it's over. Um, so it's not insurmountable. And there's there's some definitely some streaming services where I am more happy to pay for the no ads version. And there are some where it's like, you know what? I just, I want to access to this content, but I'm willing to live with the ads. I think the thing that kills me is really the, you're paying for a content and they want to serve you ads. That to me always feels uh, just on the cheap side. So as someone who is paying for Simone's um, video content, at least for some <laughs> of her services, I will continue to do that for some of them for the ad-free version. However, even though I am the opposite of Simone and I'm the most price insensitive person on the planet, even I have a limit. With cable TV, it came when I was realizing I was paying over $200 a month to not even watch the content. And that was in addition to all the streaming services I was paying for. And I was like, I don't even turn on my TV cable box. And and this is a genuine waste of money. I, I'm not at that point yet with, with Netflix or with... Um, I, I did agree to, to pay for the Amazon without ads. But there will be a point when they will price me out because I'm price insensitive, but I'm not like... I won't pay anything. Um, and I think this is their plan. And the only thing I can hope is that my biggest issue with the ads, in addition to the fact that they've conditioned us for a decade plus to not have them, is that they're bad and they're inserted in bad ways. At least with cable and broadcast TV, you had set ad breaks and and it didn't interrupt the flow of what you were doing. And I'm, I'm desperately hoping that if we go back into this ad-supported world, which it seems like we will, that A, showrunners will start to actually build ad breaks into their programming and B services won't just be dynamically inserting ads at any willy nilly point and will actually be putting them in the appropriate place so that you're not like mid sentence and then have an ad and then have like a weird juxtaposition of, of, of what you're watching. This episode of Clockwise is brought to you by We Got Your Mac, your guide to Mac adoption at scale. Tune in for expert insights from SHI, Apple, and around the business world. Remember those old Apple commercials, Mac versus PC? I mean, who could forget? But did you know the debate continues to rage in the enterprise? In fact, some analysts speculate the Mac will be the dominant business endpoint by 2030. And that is where today's sponsor comes in. We Got Your Mac is a new podcast from SHI, and it's here to help business leaders navigate the fascinating, ever-changing world of Mac in the workplace. From debunking security myths to attracting talent and overcoming adoption pains, you'll discover the ups and downs of delivering Mac at scale. New episodes of We Got Your Mac stream every two weeks, featuring interviews with the experts at Apple, SHI, and from around the C-suite. So what are you waiting for? Make 2024 the year your business puts an end to the Mac versus PC debate. Go to wegotyourmac.com or search for We Got Your Mac wherever you get your podcasts. You can also click the link in the show notes. That's wegotyourmac.com to start listening to new episodes and download free resources today. Our thanks to We Got Your Mac for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, my bonus topic for you is this. What was your favorite cartoon as an elementary-aged child? Simone, we'll start with you. Okay, so as an elementary-aged child, I was one of those kids who was really into like Pokemon and Monster Rancher, yes. which like speaking of Power World and Pokemon ripoffs was one of those mm -hmm. like 
yeah, in the vein of Pokemon, Digimon, um, other sort of magical animal shows, one of those ones that's like, huh, so we all just had this idea, didn't we? <laughs> so that's the one that is coming to mind for me today. Uh, what about you, Dan? I I was an unsophisticated child. Um, I think if I I was sort of casting my mind back, and I watched a lot of cartoons, but I think probably my favorite was probably Transformers. I mean, classic OG original Transformers because I don't know. I had a ton of Transformers toys, and I watched a lot of Transformers. Christina, what about you? The Simpsons. I remember watching The Simpsons like when it came out, and I was I was young. And I loved it. And it, it took over the zeitgeist. And I just loved it more like the older I got. So yeah, The Simpsons. Yeah. As a really young kid, it was Dragon Tales. Um, yeah. But I grew up religious. And because, this is this is not my uh, logic. This is the logic of my grandparents. Um, because dragons are serpents and serpents are the devil, Dragon Tales is the devil. So we had to stop <laughs> watching Dragon Tales, which was unfortunate. Um, but basically, we would sneak it. And so that made it even more uh, enjoyable. And then later on, it probably would have been f- fairly Odd Parents, which is a sort of fairy godparents uh, show where a, a kid has fairy godparents because he lives a sad life, and any kid who has a sad life gets to have uh, godparents that will give grant them magic wishes. And I mean, anything to do with magic, I was always into. And so, this the idea of having these two little friends that followed you around and could grant your wishes was super cool. Uh, so, I very much liked that show as well. Um, thank you all for your answers on that. Hey, if you would like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a member of Clockwise. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and sign up for just $5 per month or $50 a year, and you'll help support the show. In this week's overtime topic, we discuss the 40th anniversary of the Mac. With that, we have reached the end of this episode of Clockwise. All that's left is to thank our awesome guests, Simone de Rochefort. Thank you for your heroic trek to a new uh, room where you could finish (laughs) off this podcast. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And Christina Warren, thank you so much for joining us as well. Great to be here and um, perfect to be here on like Mac anniversary day, honestly. Like that's like the biggest treat and with Simone, of course, and, and with both of you. Thank you it's so much. It's all treats. It's all treats today. It is all treats. Uh, well, we will be back next week, which I'm sure will also be a treat in a different form. Um, but we remind you until then, watch what you say and keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. <laughs>